Welcome back, another episode of Trade Talk. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about TALF, um, the current economic conditions in the country, and how the deflationary aspect of the economy is uh, quickly... Actually, it's the deflationary aspect of global currency that is... um, aggressively pushing pushing us into a situation that we can't even recover from. This is a theory of mine and it is not to go all it, it does harp on when we spoke about you know this isn't a recession. But the reason why I want to go into this is is not so much because of a trade idea, but why I've just become even more cautious on the market and and why the episodes maybe even have been far and few between um, last ones being in like mid-April. There, There's a lot going on in the markets. Some of the stuff you can't even see, you know, everything is a uh, COVID Gilead who, you know, who's coming up with the drug uh, airlines reopening the country. There's other things that play on the back end. And, and finally, I've gotten an understanding in my opinion, of what was happening. Uh, one of the things I was saying in the, in the previous episodes about it not being a recession and what's you know going on in the economy, you notice that the unemployment numbers kept coming out and, and somehow, as they came out, the markets would go up. I mean, we're at like spy, a spy for some of you who from some of you who don't know, and some of you like I'm like I'm Italian over here, Sopranos, but for some of you who don't know, uh, SPY, S&P 500, that's the ETF index. The SPYs are 280, uh, finding resistance around 285, 287. Um, shoot, trying to hit a back into uh, all-time high territories. You know, yeah, they got about 15 points out of the all-time highs, but it doesn't matter. It, it, it's still trying to push to get there. Actually, I, I said 15 points. It's probably like another 30 points or more. But either way, point of what I'm saying, you're trying to get back into the 300s. And even for a time, I was setting spy calls at 300 because I said, oh, this is imminent. And then I'm starting to say to myself, like, you know, as I said in my previous podcast, who is standing in front of these unemployment numbers every every week? We know they're going to be bad. They've never been below 3 million. Um, highs at 6 million. You know, but then I started digging more and I started saying, what on earth is happening and what happened previously? Most may not know what this is, but there is a there is a term asset back loan facility, which is called TALF. Again, term asset back loan facility. It is something that allows the government to keep lending and credit circulating. It is done by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. And part of this episode focuses on that, but then it goes a lot deeper into the, into what I have as a theory and this theory is meant to give guidance on what my caution is. And that guidance of caution gives um, clarity on what I think of markets and what I think of markets being how I will play the future, but more so how I will set myself up for what some will say is that second crash 
or what I would say is monetary policy that is being set right now coming to rear its ugly head. So to give you a, a, a good example of TALF, um, like I said, it's a credit facility set up by the Federal Reserve uh, that allows, it is literally what allows lending to keep taking place in the economy. Back in 2009, 2010, uh, there was a program called TARP and there was a program called TALF. Uh, TALF allows um, investors and investment banks to act as a facility to let money flow for asset-backed securities. Now, what is an asset-backed security without getting all technical and jargony? Um, Think of a car loan, which is an asset-backed security. Think of a mortgage, which is an asset-backed security, a house rather. But obviously, it can also count as a a mortgage, more um, an MBS, a mortgage-backed security. Either way, these are all within the same scope. They want investment banks such as like uh, Jeffrey, Societe Generale, um, Goldman Sachs, HSBC, uh, Citibank, to act as a facilitator to make sure that lending for student loans, cars, anything can still happen. Now, why I care about TALF is because it's a form of it's a form of allowing emergency loans that are sufficient enough um, that protect taxpayers from losses. So in essence, like a taxpayer is not going to lose its money by investing during TALF because the federal government is backing those assets. It lets you understand that when I couldn't figure out what the hell was keeping markets propped up. Yeah, it's simple to say, yeah, it's the Fed buying, you know, it's Fed liquidity. But no, that's the actual thing they're doing in terms of Fed liquidity into the market. They're giving it through investment banks. Banks are buying up up, uh, assets, uh, meaning like they, they, they can literally buy the asset itself, the mortgage, the loans, uh, car loans, the whatever, the, the companies that are issuing that and allowing liquidity to flow for financing. And that's how it's being done, and they're doing it with trillions of dollars. Um, these may not be the trillions of dollars, and uh, uh, sorry, I said trillions of dollars. You're doing this with billions of dollars. These may not be the billions of dollars that you may see that come directly to you in that form of $1,200, but it is being done, and it is being facilitated through uh, everything that is going on. So... Let's say a, um, an investment bank has it or even a hedge fund goes and, and participates in this lending facility. You're eligible to borrow up to 90% of the assets. So you have a car loan, $100,000, they'll the federal government extends you another 90000 off of the 100 on the asset back. They'll, they'll backstop the loss on the asset backed and allow you to take that 90% that you just got off of the loan to go and buy more assets. Um, it's no recourse on the loans, meaning that you don't have to pay them back. Uh, they want the highest quality of assets, um, but you know we all know that half that's BS because that's how you run into um, subordinated debt, and things end up falling like dominoes because it's packaged as being great, but it's not that great. Okay, 
Uh, the government's willing to uh, obviously take some losses on things. Um, but the TALF, the TALF program will help uh, fluctuate the recovery. I'm sorry, not fluctuate, but help, uh, what, what better word to say, would uh, help, I guess you could say motivate, uh, push forward the recovery in the economy um, and, you know, maintain credit. I know some of this may sound like really jargony, but I cared about the technicalities of this so much. That's why I had to go digging for it and looking for it to understand how it was working. Because again, for weeks on end, I would not stand in front of the um, unemployment number, yet I would still see the S&P 500 go up. And I'm saying to myself, who is doing this? But of course, you could do it when you know that your assets are backstopped and you will not actually lose money. But then it tell then it starts to take me to say like, okay, I may not do it that way, and I may not even care to to, to try to play that game. But where am I going to fit in in this? And 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 how does the fund kind of benefit from this? It's very simple to say, oh yeah, you know, a recession is coming one day, and you know, I'll just have myself prepared and all that. That's not possible. But it is good to understand why I would be looking at the deflationary aspect of the economy, this means a contraction, an economic contraction, why would I be looking at that to be my indicator? And then how would I see that indicator? What I'm seeing is the idea that says the US dollar is the, is the lead global currency, Right? And since we got to the times of where we came off the gold standard and how economics are work and things of that nature, there's something that is happening, which I, which I have learned a long time ago, which is called game theory. If you've never heard of game theory, you should look it up. It's a great way uh, to analyze business. It's a great way to analyze competition. And it's especially a great way to deal with markets. So game theory says that if everyone is cooperating in the market and then one person is cheating the market, the one person cheating the market is at the advantage. However, if everyone starts cheating the market and everyone is doing the same thing the cheat is doing, it devalues the market. Now you say, what is that in layman's terms? You have money. U.S. dollar being the global economic currency, you're printing obscene amounts of money to uh, backstop everything, making asset values artificially high, then calling that uh, capitalism. And when I say that, calling that capitalism, it's like, look, you're making your asset values artificially high, you're, therefore your rents are going to be high, therefore inflation must keep up with those rents, which it doesn't, because the dollar itself, though it is trying to be artificially propped up to be higher and it in turn makes the assets more expensive. The, uh, the cost of labor will not directly correlate to that, right? So you're saying to yourself, well, I'm saying to myself, what happens to 
the currency when everyone else in other countries starts doing the same sort of programs. When everyone else is doing the TALF, when everyone else is doing um, stimulus packages and everything like that. Well, global currencies will start to be affected at some point. At some point, you're going to continuously do this until a point where the and, and I'm not talking about it from the sense of, oh, we did it to a point where, you know what, everybody's just, you know, they're like, they're like the, the currency's going to fall out. It's going to be Venezuela. No, you're going to do it to a point where everyone's going to be cheating. It's already happening because global trade wars are already a concept of game theory. If you haven't noticed, right? Each person's trying to cheat the other in, in, in a particular way. And I'll show you how they're trying to cheat each other. The U.S. wants the China dollar to be high so um, more product can be made in the U.S., right? Because if, China, if the Chinese dollar is high, it's harder to produce things for cheap. The Chinese want their dollar lower so that the cheaper it is for them to manufacture, the more profit they make on the export. So what's the game theory there? What I just defined to you, right? One of them is, both of them are saying we need to cooperate as one as each of them are trying to cheat each other at the same time. You know, how do you then turn around and say, how do I control the other party? Well, you control the other party by making your currency the global currency making that global currency a fiat currency where you will constantly issue more debt, refinance the debt, extend the debt. And because you are the global currency, everyone has to fall in line. But again, that's when the game theory comes back into play. What did I say prior? If everyone cooperates, right? The one who cheats becomes has the advantage. This is to say the U.S. is cheating by being the global reserve currency, messing with the currency and its value. And as they're messing with the currency and its value, um, and taking and, and taking that gold standard off, putting it in such a way where everyone must fall in line because you're all backing them. Well. When the other nations start to cheat too, and they start saying, well, even if we're not the global reserve currency, let's inflate our values or let's play with our values, it starts to disrupt things. Whether this like plays out in some Armageddon's type fashion, which I don't think it'll do because, you know, people will turn into Atlas out here. The, the governments turn into Atlas and they will they will happily make sure uh, the globe can can stay on their back. Bad analogy, but in essence, what I'm saying is that they will ensure they will hold anything they have to up for as long as possible. But you don't control the other end. Yeah, I get that we have uh, G20 Summit and things of that nature that all try to say we're going to cooperate with each other. But the oil markets prove that People operate, countries are operating on, on, on their own time. I mean, the Russians play with their currency, put it on, uh, let it float however they feel, make it balance out. 
So I say, that issue obviously lets people say, oh, go buy gold. Yes, if, if you can even see right now, gold is, is already decoupled from what uh, the dollar is doing, meaning that dollar could go up, gold is still going to go up. Dollar could go down, gold's going to go up. Gold will have its fluctuation points, but it's going to maintain and go up. The fiat currency is it's 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 being manipulated in a massive way and it's going to become a massive issue. And every other country doing this is going to magnify that disaster. This conversation isn't even about how do you play the market in that way. It's not even about a doomsday or it's not even about, oh, just go buy gold. That, that, that's the way. It's to say, I've come to a real conclusion and a real analysis and understanding of why I think your global recession, your aggressive recession, your true deflationary action happens in the next two years to three years. It definitely happens before the end or about the end of Trump of Trump's next um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, next term. That's what I was looking for. If you want to say what the simplicity of obviously in talking and having this conversation, what do we do? Yeah, you're going to have to buy gold and commodities. That's been said before. But really the concept of just finally finding out what is going on out here. It's frightening to tell you the truth. If you think this is aggressive, oh, it's going to be so much more aggressive when everyone else is playing with their currency like they already are, but it actually rears its head. I'm not a doomsday person. I'm not a conspiracy person. But you can't call this capitalism. Artificially inflating prices, unable to keep um, wages to go with those prices. And then you have AI decimating businesses because you won't need to actually hire as many people. These are Band-Aids, man. And every other country is using the same Band-Aid at the same time. Game theory. Can't say that I'm 100% right. It is a thesis. But it's the thesis I'm going with. Until I have any more clarity on what is going on and what to do. So in the, simpl in the simplest of terms... I approach with caution, still trading every day, still looking for angles, only being big when I'm sure, but very fearful, not of now, but two, three years from now, but making sure I have the liquidity available to clean up in those two, three years from now. I don't think that the market holds those big gains like we were seeing when when markets first dropped. They're out there, yes. 
but with more risk now than before. Before, you're looking for the bounce. Now, you've gotten the bounce, but are you, are you going to catch another dip? Meaning, V-shape recovery, draw down, bounce back up. Or, are you going to see extreme volatility due to TALF programs, muni buying programs that have to play themselves out over a course of a few years, but the equation has to balance out in some way. The point of the equation balancing out in some way is that you cannot pour a bunch of water into a cup and at some point the cup not overflow. You can't print a bunch of money, put it into glo- like in your country, then globally they're printing a bunch of money and then that excess money just kind of make everything all right in the world. You ever notice like the one part about like buying assets? Obviously, yes, they say, you know, we give them to someone else, uh, institutions and stuff, and they sell those assets uh, to investors and, you know, the world keeps spinning because now those investors can receive interest on their money. But it always goes back to the same thing. What if those assets aren't worth that? Which they're not. What happens then? Well, we'll revisit that conversation a year, two years from now, three years from now. But we will revisit the conversation. The equation must balance. I thank you guys for tuning in. This is L.A. Aco with another episode of Trade Talk. Take care. Be safe. I hope everyone is healthy.